0: Before we jump into God's Word, let us turn to the Lord in prayer, and then we will jump in the Scriptures. Father, we love you. We thank you so much that uh, we can see little children worshiping you, shouting in excitement for, uh, for your name and for your glory. We thank you for those kids who confessed and repented of their sins and came to know you as their Savior this past week. God, I pray you'll continue to use our church to bless the children in our church and in our community. Holy Spirit of the living God, I pray that you will fall fresh upon us, that you will speak through me, speak through your word, that it may be a piercing sword to our hearts, God. I just ask for you, Holy Spirit, to to come and guide us in all truth. May you open up our eyes and our hearts and our spirits to see what we are to receive from you this morning. And may it not just be about education, but Father, may we pray for transformation in our lives. We ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You might not believe it, but when I was a kid, I looked a lot like Liam. I did. I acted a lot like Liam. You guys see my kid. He's running around. After church, he's probably running around the sanctuary. You see his energy. You see his joy. You see his blonde hair, and you just see his personality. Well, that was me when I was a kid. And, you know, I I had the opportunity when I was about six or seven to uh, model for JCPenney. Can you believe that? Right? I had this personality, and they said, you know, we're doing this thing in your area. It was in Bellwood, by the way, back when I was young. I lived in Bellwood. I don't know if any of you guys know where Bellwood is, but it's not that far. So we, we did this thing, and I was part of a Pittsburgh Pirate J.C. Penney uh, modeling show, and it was a blast. Well, While I was there, I got recruited. I must have handed it up while I was on the runway or whatever. I don't remember much at all. But I was recruited by a, a, a child actor um, recruiter. And so they contacted my parents and said, hey, you know what, would your kid be willing to come and put together a portfolio and travel to New York and meet with a couple of our agents to see uh, you know, where if we can further the career in this? Well, I mean, I was excited because I love to, to act and to play, and I just love being in plays as a kid, and so this got really exciting for me. We went to New York City for the very first time, got interviewed by a couple of agents, and they didn't promise anything, but they said, you know what, we, we would like to continue the conversation, would little Marvin be able to live in New York and, and be trained by a couple of agents and, and acting uh, coaches, but he would have to live in New York? Well, my parents, when they heard live in New York, said, no, absolutely not. So it was never to be. My acting career started and ended in the, in the, in the, uh, the world realm right there. But I continued to love plays. I continued to love, to act, and to ham it up. I loved making people laugh. That was just, I mean, if you see Liam, I'm telling you, he is the spitting image of his father with everything he does and everything he says. That was, that was me. And so if you ever hang out with Liam, you know the pain that my children and my, because I'm still hyper like that, and the pain my father had to go through with the patience and love with a crazy wild man like Liam. Why do I share that story? Well, I share that story because I think that many times in our lives and still in my own Christian life, I put on a play, not a a play acting as I'm on stage uh, like you would in a church play, but in my life, I put on a play where I pretend that I'm something or someone that I'm not. And I believe that many times as believers, we can be tempted to do the same thing, That we can live out a play rather than live real life. Rather than, than be honest with where we're at. We put on a performance trying to be good Christians. Now, last week we talked about the idea of the religious spirit and how the religious spirit really loves control. Well, the religious spirit also loves performance. It it loves applause, as we talked about last week. And as I was praying about where God wanted to take us in the book of John, and as I was having conversations with people, the Spirit just convicted me and said, Go to this story in the book of Acts. Now, I've preached a similar sermon on this particular passage, and it kind of highlighted the Holy Spirit, highlighted why we needed to go here. And so we're stepping away from the book of John just for one week, and we're going to dive into the book of Acts. You see, in the story of Ananias and Sapphira, that's where we will be. This was a huge driving force. Appearance was something important to them. A pastor named George McDonald says this. He says, half of the misery in the world comes from trying to look instead of trying to be what one is not. So when we look at the scriptures and we see what we're called to be, who we're called to be, we can be tempted and and the misery of our Christian life is to pretend to be what we should be rather than actually allowing the Holy Spirit to make us what we should be. And it can become really tempting. We can stand on a stage in our life and say, woo, I am so awesome, I am so good, I am just the best Christian in the world, everything is always great, I always have a smile, I'm always happy, my family is always awesome because I'm an awesome dad or I'm an awesome mom, I just love Jesus so much. But there might be issues in your life that you're really not actually dealing with because you're pretending, you're on a play, on the stage. And so the question that we have to look at as we read this specific passage is what does freedom from from, from performance-based living look like? Because many times we, we get attached to this religious spirit of performance and we try to live out a performance. So what does freedom from that look like? Well, let's look at uh, Acts 5, verses 1 through 11, because I believe this passage answers that question. Acts 5, verses 1 through 11, says this, this is the word of the Lord. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Wow, that's a very interesting story. When you read that story, I'm, I'm unlike the church that was there at that time, I'm struck with some fear. Wow, what is... What does this story mean? What is this story talking about? And I believe one of the aspects of what this story is talking about is living life off of the stage, being free from performance-based living. Because life on the stage is is a life of, of bondage, but life off the stage is a life of freedom. Life off the stage frees us from a life of hiddenness. Life off the stage frees us from a life of hiddenness. So this story, what, what, what's happening is if you were to go a couple verses before it at the end of Acts 4, you'll notice that Barnabas was the pre, pre, premier example of giving everything to the Lord. He sold a piece of property and he came to the apostles' feet and he dropped everything at their feet and said, May this be used in service of the Lord. Well, he was encouraged. This was an exciting thing. There was some excitement and celebration at what Barnabas had just done. They were giving him pats on the back and saying, wow, you really sacrificially gave to the mission of Jesus Christ. Well, Ananias and Sapphira, they step back and they say, all we got to do is give a little bit of money from selling some property to be the best Christians on the planet. I want to be part of the Christian elite. I want to do that same thing. I want people to say the same thing about us and so they contrived in their heart and together they made this decision to sell the land and say that they sold and sold it for a different price so that they could look as if they gave everything that's a very interesting story this aspect of hiddenness in their life they were hiding something from the lord because Peter says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. Now, he knows everything, and so he didn't miss it. And he spoke it to Peter, because obviously Peter knew. But they were living in hiddenness. They were living in hiddenness. They, for the applause it would bring, uh, gave, their, gave their, the, the money from the land. But they did not give it all. Their only sin was professing that they had given it all. And also recognize that there was no mandate. There was not one single mandate that said, you have to do this. The disciples didn't do that. Barnabas was showing by example his excitement about the mission of Jesus. And so he laid it down at the apostles' feet. They said that they gave it all. How often do you and I live on the stage and pretend and act as if we're giving it all? when we're only giving a part. Well, why do we do that? Because we're stuck in this idea of performance-based living, that I have to look holy in front of other people. I have to hide and push down these things in my life that are hindering me. I need to shove them away, but not really deal with them. But when I come to church or when I am in front of other Christians or other believers, man, I've got to have it all together. Now, this temptation for a pastor is huge as well because I studied to be a Christian. I'm a professional Christian, which doesn't even make any sense because that's not a real thing. Right? But there's that image of, wow, a pastor's got to be a professional Christian. They should always be on. Their kids should be holy angels all the time. And, and this just should be the way it is. And so there is that temptation to, you know, just have that image. But I'm just as broken as any other human in the entire world. And my kids are not always going to be holy angels. Or rarely will they be. You see, that's the reality that we get stuck in as Christians is that we have to live on a stage and pretend like everything is okay. Ananias and Sapphira are an example. It's saying this is something that happens in the life of believers. Otherwise, the story wouldn't be there. Otherwise, the story wouldn't be there. Because you and I, we can tend to desire to seem surrendered when we know that we are not. We can have this desire to seem surrendered. And there's 1 John 1 8 through 10, where John is talking to the believers and he says, Listen, if you say you have no sin in your life, you're a liar. Because there's something going on in your heart that you need to deal with at every moment and every time. You need to confess and repent of those things that are trapping you into the darkness. Don't try to pretend to be surrendered actually live into the gospel, confess and repent those areas, stop being in hiding so that you can actually be surrendered. It's much more important for us to be surrendered than to pretend to be surrendered. But we get stuck in this performance-based-on-the-stage type of living where we feel like we have to always have it together. But that is just not the case. If you look at Peter, You look at James, you look at John, you look at Philip, you look at Paul, you look at Thomas, you look at Barnabas. If you look at any of the disciples, you will realize, man, they are just as messed up as I am. And I love that about the Bible because it doesn't picture them as perfect little angels all the time because that's not real life. We have got to deal with the issues in our heart and not just seem surrendered, but actually get surrendered. And that comes through being honest about the dark places of our life. That comes by repenting of the sins that we have been living in. We can't just seem surrendered. See, they seemed surrendered. They thought, Ananias and Sapphira thought that everybody would see their surrender and their powerful worship of God. But they lied. You and I can do the same thing. We care more about the stage than we do actual reality, but also there's this this issue of sin in our lives because maybe we live in hiddenness so we aren't confronted with our sin. Maybe there's this part of us that loves to be in the darkness, this hiddenness in our life that we love to to continue to pretend that we really secretly enjoy. Because we can enjoy sin. I'm sure you have. I know I have. And we put it in the side and we say, Oh, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to pretend it doesn't exist. It's just, it's going to be fine. But what happens in the darkness, sin grows. Like a plant or a tree grows in the light, sin grows in the darkness. It loves the dark. It's like mold, it's really nasty and just grows all over the place till you can't control it any longer. And it's going to come out. God is calling us to repent to confess those areas in our life, to deal with them, not pretend that they do not exist. Because if if Ananias and Sapphira came honestly and they said, you know what? We sold the land for $100,000 and we kept back about 50 grand. So we were giving the church half of what we actually got the money for because we wanted to hold that back. No one would have said, you're a sinner. But what they said was, we sold the land for fifty thousand dollars and we're giving you everything. You see this this performance base that was in their life. You and I, we can tend to do the same. But we can also see that hiddenness wraps us in chains of bondage. Hiddenness wraps us in chains of bondage. Like I said, it's like mold in the darkness it grows. They spent time together, Ananias and Sapphira. This was the long-time conversation. It wasn't just a random thought of the mind. It was a, a lie that was developing together as a married couple that they were working on together to put this lie out there. You see, we do that. We keep that hiddenness. It's going to grow. It's going to grow, and it's going to take over. We have got to deal with the hiddenness in our lives the issues that we don't want anyone to know about, the issues that we don't want to confess or repent, we've got to deal with them. Otherwise, we will have the same type of performance-based living that Ananias and Sapphira did. And so many people who live by the power of the spirit of religion rather than by the power of the spirit of the living God. Ananias and Sapphira paid a terrible price. Again, if you look at that, that passage in 1 John 1, 8-10, you'll see... You'll see that that sin, that that hiddenness leads to death. That you don't have love within you. You don't understand love within you when you say I don't have any sin and you don't deal with it. It takes over. See the enemy Satan is the prince of darkness. He loves it when we're in the dark. That's his happy place. When we have things in the darkness, he's like, oh, I love it. Yes, just keep that there. And he keeps whispering the lie, don't give it up. Don't deal with it. Don't wrestle with it. Keep on the stage because the play you're putting on is awesome. You are a rock star actor, and you need to get people to throw flowers at your awesomeness. So don't deal with it. Don't give it up. But 1 John demands that we do. The rest of the scriptures talk about confession and repentance. Dealing with the darkness in our lives so that we don't have to be in chains of bondage. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus died to set us free. Died to set us free. How dare we go back to bondage on purpose? But so often we do it. I do it. You do it. He wants to set us free. Do you think that he was up in heaven gleefully killing Ananias and Sapphira? I don't think so. I think it broke his heart because they refused to repent and deal with what was going on. He wants us to live free. He wants us to live off of the stage. Because performance-based living is life on a stage, but life off the stage is a life of freedom. Which we see the next point is that life off the stage frees us from the lying voice of the stage director. We see in Revelation 12, 9-10 that Satan is a liar. Anything that is anti what the scripture says in our lives is a lie from the pit of hell. When the enemy says, oh, what well, you know, you don't have to deal with that. You don't have to confess. You don't have to repent of that at all. Just keep it over there. That is a lie. It won't grow. It's not, no one's going to find out about it. It's okay. It's not that bad. Other people do worse things. This is just that one thing that you can have on the side. It's going to be okay. Those are lies. You see, the enemy, he loves us on the stage, He loves to make us do the dance that he wants us to do. It's chains of bondage. There there are strings on us. We can't sing that Pinocchio song, there are no strings on me, because we say, hey, put the strings on. I want to be on the play. I want to be on the stage. I want to act it out. I want to pretend rather than actually be. But when we step off the stage and we walk in the light as he is in the light, The lying voice of the enemy gets shut up because we're saying, no, I'm going to wrestle and deal with these issues. I'm going to cut these out of my life. I'm going to bring what's in the dark into the light so that that confession can lead to repentance and that repentance can lead to turning away from my sin and back towards my Jesus. The Holy Spirit is is consistently convicting us. He is the the convictor, as we talked about last week. We are not the convictor of other people. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But when he convicts us to bring things out of the dark, into the light, we have got to do it. Because if we don't, it will take over. I promise you that the darkness in your life, the hiddenness in your life that you try to keep hidden, that you don't confess, that you don't repent, will take over over. We need to be people who walk in the light as he is in the light. And when we confess our sins, we can have true fellowship with one another. Why is there such a lack of fellowship in the church? Because there's a lack of confession. There's so much darkness that we hide. There's not real life-on-life community where it happens where I look at someone and say, I need to confess of my sin. I need to repent of it. Can you pray with me? And we end up all being actors in a play. When we're all on the stage trying to outdo each other with how great we are. That's not at all the gospel of Jesus. That's not at all what John says in the scripture about how God is love and he wants us to come into the light so that the darkness can be washed away. And here's the great thing. One of the things I love to say about this aspect of getting out of the dark and into the light. Once we step off the stage and we get out of the darkness, the enemy has nothing on us. Fear of discovery is what we just—we are so anxious about. If they discover this in my life, man, I'm not going to be able to be an elder. I'm not going to be able to be a Sunday school teacher. If they just knew, if they found out, and so we hide it. and We hide it because fear of discovery gives the enemy power over us. But once we step into the light and leave the darkness, even if there are some ramifications, which sin always has ramifications, but when we step out of the light, out of the darkness into the light, the enemy no longer has anything over us. The fear of discovery is gone because we did self discovery. Man, that is just awesome. It's scary. It's not fun always when we come to the reality of our sin and the need for repentance and the need for confession. Those are not fun places. But when we step out and we find freedom, we are set free. And the enemy has nothing on us. Not a single thing. And we are free to live for Jesus. Not bound to our darkness. Obviously, I'm passionate about this. Because I know the experience of hid- hiding in the darkness and the pain that it brings and the fear of discovery, but then coming out into the light and the freedom that it brings. We can deny the enemy lying to our lives. A good friend of mine in college, she's awesome. She was one of those, like, really happy people. You walked into the, uh, the, the cafeteria at school, and she was always the one with the bright smile saying, Hey, it's so good to see you. How's it going? I love you. And we just, I can't wait to learn more about Jesus today in school. And, and everybody loved her. She was like a light bulb for people as they walked in. It was an exciting time, but she was really wrestling with deep, deep issues. But she was told that she always had to be okay. A good Christian is always okay. She was a worship leader, and she always had to be okay. But then there was this message that came to her from, from a professor at school, and it was this it's okay not to be okay. And that blew her mind. Like, really? I I cannot be okay. I can admit this stuff in my life that I need to get rid of. It's safe. I'm allowed, and it changed everything. She wrestled for a while, but it wasn't always happy, but is still a very happy person, by the way, because she really loves Jesus. But I share that story because I think many times we have that lying whisper, and the enemy just speaks it over us that you always have to be okay. You can't confess your pain, your doubts, your fears, your sin, no, 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 no. You've got to keep it hidden and stay on the stage. But that is not a life of freedom. She experienced the chains of bondage being broken off of her. The next thing that we see, a life of, of freedom off the stage, is that we don't have to be bound to those lies. We do not have to be bound to the lies of the enemy. We can see that in John 8, 44 Because the lying voice of the enemy, not only does he want to keep us off the stage, he wants us not to know who we are and who God is. You've heard me say before that the enemy's goal is to destroy our view of who we are and destroy our view of who God is. And so he'll speak lies about our identity. He'll speak lies about who we are. He'll speak lies like that lie of, if people find out, they will no longer love you. That's not true. I've heard people confess really crazy, wild things that some of you probably have never even thought about, that you would never imagine in a way that someone would sin, and they still found deep, deep love in the church. You'd be surprised at the people around you that when you confess and you talk with them and you repent of your sins with them, you'll be surprised at how much love you actually experience. Because guess what? You are not alone. You're not alone. The things that you struggle with, you're not alone. The things that you wrestle with, the sin that's in your life, you're not alone. I know you might think that you invented that type of sin, but nothing's new under the sun. We need one another in community, in fellowship. We need to come to a place where we allow the Holy Spirit to convict us, and then we confess it, and then we repent, we turn away from it. And to Him, we step out of the darkness and into the light. We do not have to be bound to the lies of the enemy. Life off the stage is a life of freedom. And life off the stage frees us to always walk in the light. Life off the stage frees us to always walk in the light. A a professor at Alliance Theological Seminary, he always says that he wants to live his life with no secrets. So once you get all your secrets out, then you don't ever start keeping secrets again. That you get it at the, the very beginning of hiddenness, the very beginning of darkness that you are tempted to regain, to put back together in your life. That the Holy Spirit can convict you and say, no, no, don't do it again. Don't go back. And so he, he <laughs> some of the stuff that he talks about, he gets some guys together and they do life confessionals, and they say, "Give it all, get it all out, repent of it all right now, and let's not have to do this again together because we won't keep any more secrets. When things pop up, we share it with one another. Life off the stage frees us to always walk in the light. We can keep choosing death, like Ananias and Sapphira, or we can be set free through the beauty." of repentance. Look at that story real quick of of Peter coming to, (coughs) excuse me, coming to Sapphira. He said to her in verse 9, but Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? And look at verse 8, he says, and Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. You see, he knew she was lying to the Holy Spirit, He knew that she was lying to the church. He knew that she was lying to herself, but he gave her an opportunity for repentance. He said, is this really the truth? I think he was hoping, I don't want you to die like your husband just did. I want you to choose repentance and choose life and go after it so that you can live the rest of your life in the light. But she didn't choose repentance. She chose to live in the darkness. And it caused her literal death. And when we choose to neglect confession and repentance in our own lives, my friends, we are choosing death. Not that we're going to go to hell. If we believe in Jesus, that's not the case. But we're choosing death in this life. We're choosing to walk as dead men and women rather than living men and women. We are called to live free. We are called to dance and shout and sing and worship and live in the light. When we, when we get out of the darkness, those bondage, those, those chains, they fall off and we feel free. We won't feel heavy. We won't feel these burdens that the enemy has put upon us. And we can dance and we can sing in the light. First John 5, 1 John 5 5:15 through 10 assures us that not only will we find freedom but we'll find true fellowship. It's it's kind of a quick little quip that that John puts in that passage. It's really fast and if you miss it you'll 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 neglect to see something that God wants us to see. It says if we confess our sins we will have Fellowship with one another. That Greek word is koinonia. We will have true, honest fellowship. Have you ever been in church or lived your Christian life feeling like you've never really experienced christian fellowship even though you sing the songs together you hear the sermons together you go to the bible studies together you go to the small groups together you do the baptisms and and vbs and all these different things together but you still feel a lack of true honest fellowship well it's probably because you've not confessed and repented to your brother and sister about the darkness and the hiddenness in your life Because the scripture says when we do that, we experience real koinonia. It's a quick little thing, and you could miss it really easily. But that's a very important aspect of the entire book of 1 John. Fellowship, understanding the love that we have from the Father and the love that we should be giving to one another. But hear me, once a putting on a play spirit gains a toehold in a community, it brings the end of real fellowship. It does. That's why many people, when they walk into an American church, many young and old people, they feel, man, I I can't live this life. I can't live this play. I'm messed up and I know it and, and no one else is. They can't experience my life. They won't understand me. I'm pushed away because I'm not good enough. I, I've got I can't be here. People walk away because they recognize there's no true fellowship. I hear some really Really sad statements by some folks who live in the, uh, the secular realm. A guy told me once, he said, you know what? I find more fellowship, more confession, and more honesty with my non-Christian friends than I do with my Christian friends. That breaks my heart because that should not be the case. As believers, we should be leading that type of life, showing that we can love one another even though we're messed up. Because guess what? We are all messed up. And your mess is not the only mess that looks like that in this room. You are not alone. If we're going to move forward as believers, not just as a church but as believers, we have got to step out of the dark and into the light. And when we do that, we get off the stage. Life off the stage frees us to go all in and live real life. To live real life. Listen to this quote by Vance Havner. It really convicts me. It really, it really convicts me. Vance Havner says this, If God dealt with people today, as he did in Ananias and Sapphira's day, every church would need a morgue in the basement. That is not a fun quote but it's a true one. Sometimes the truth hurts. God wants you and I to live all in. Not just half in, not just toe in, not just knee in. He wants us to go all in. It's like that image in the book of Ezekiel where he gets into the water and he puts his feet in and then he puts his knees in and then it's over his head. God wants us to live over our heads, deep in the waters of Jesus, deep in the waters of His Spirit using us and moving us towards greater things, as Jesus promised. But when we don't step out of the darkness, when we don't confess and repent and turn away from what we were doing to the person who gives us life, we can never go all in. I want to go all in. My prayer is that you want to go all in as well and not allow the darkness in your life to hamper or hinder that ability. Let me just read that quote one more time because it's, it hits me. If God dealt with people today as he did in Ananias and Sapphira's day, every church would need a morgue in the basement. Sin is serious and it must be dealt with don't believe the lie that it will not grow because it will it will grow performance and image killed Ananias and Sapphira it doesn't have to kill you you and I can choose to walk in the light. We can choose to live out of the darkness. We can choose to repent and turn back to Jesus. And if you've never turned to Jesus ever in your life, you can be set free. You don't have to be chained to the past. You don't have to be chained to your sin, the darkness that is in our lives. We can be set free. And my prayer my friends, this morning, is that the Holy Spirit has been knocking on your heart, that the Holy Spirit has been talking to you about areas of hiddenness in your life, the areas where you find yourself on the stage and not off of the stage. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit is knocking at you as He was knocking on me as I prepared this sermon. And we want to leave space for you to come forward and, and repent and confess your sins, that doesn't mean that all the elders are going to be up here and taking notes on everything that you're doing wrong. That means that we're going to be here to pray with you. To help you get off the stage. To help ourselves get off the stage. So that we can live free from the hiddenness that is in our lives. And when we do that as a body of believers and experience that fellowship of freedom together. Man, we will be, we will be a, a fearful fearsome tool of God against the enemy in this place. And so I ask for you to, to, as we play this song, ask the Lord, what are those areas that I need to deal with? And as an act of obedience, come forward and confess it to the Lord. Repent of those areas of darkness and turn back to your Father who loves you, who has open arms. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you love us despite us, that you love us despite us, that you call us to come out of the darkness and into the light and you promise freedom, that the enemy does not have to hold us hostage, that we can be free from those areas of hiddenness in our life that bring bondage. Father, I pray that your spirit will prick our hearts this morning. That we will confess and that we will repent. That we won't leave this room without turning back to you and turning away from those areas of darkness. May we come into the light as you are in the light. Amen.